This is Concepts, where two pretentious sirs quibble over ideas that explain today's world. Phil Shea and Steve Rose. Welcome to podcast, the concept where we talk about concepts. You got to say, say that again. <laughs> All again. right. So yeah, welcome to concepts where we're today. We're going to talk about the straw man arguments. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. So I guess instead of, I'm, I'm just going to steamroll you here for a bit because I'm just going to get through the definitions first because we always kind of meander around those. So what's the definition? Formal definition. There's formal and informal. The formal definition is this is from Wikipedia, quote, a form of argument and an informal fallacy of having the impression of refuting an argument, <laughs> whereas the proper idea of argument under discussion was not a draw. Okay, that's too much. Uh, let's just go. That's it's a, basically. That's a terribly complicated it, definition. Yeah, it is. I didn't even finish it. So, okay, the, the informal definition is putting words into somebody's mouth and then making fun of them for saying it, even though they didn't. That's the the informal definition. So the origins are actually unclear. They're unclear as to where they came from. People think that they come from like a military training dummy. It's been around for a long time, actually. And uh, actually goes by the term um, Aunt Sally in the UK, named after a pub game of the same name where patrons throw sticks or batons at a post to knock a skittle off the top that is balancing there. There is also a false origin where people think that it, it has to do with men who stood outside of courthouses with hay in their shoes to indicate that they would bear false witness, but that's uh, that's not the case apparently. An example, if somebody asks, do you like cats or dogs? And you say, I prefer cats, they could come back and this would be the, the straw man part of it. Oh, so you hate dogs? You know who else hated dogs? Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but even just the first part, just saying, so, oh, so you hate dogs? That is a straw man because that's not what they said. Right. Yeah. So straw man, I mean, if you think of what it looks like, like a, like a scarecrow or like a, like clothing stuffed with straw, it almost reminds me of, of a kind of a metaphorical version of they are creating an argument like putting words in your mouth or saying, oh, so what you think is blah, 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 blah. And, and making that argument so ridiculous that they can easily tear it down in the same way that you can just knock down a scarecrow without a fight. Yeah, something like that. It involves usually two steps. So the first step is crafting a flimsier argument and the second one is attacking it. Right. Like you said, basically. Another example I, I found, I found it actually, this episode's largely examples because pretty much that's that's the sum of it. There are actually three forms, maybe four, of the straw man. But uh, another example of this, a general one, is person A says, we should relax the laws on beer. And then person B says, no, any society with unrestricted access to intoxicants loses its work ethics and goes only for immediate gratification. It's assuming a lot of things. And you'll notice that this is, again, kind of the MO of the internet. Yes. Or a lot of non-civil bad faith discussions. They are trying to win over trying to find what is actually being said. Yeah. You see that on politics, I guess. It's uh, don't fool for that person. They think then saying some kind of ridiculous version of the, the other person's stance. Yeah. It's it's used in politics a lot because it's either to misrepresent the other person or to say something that they want to say and avoid a question or to waste time because often like you don't have unlimited times when it comes to debates or mm. discussing something. So you can just waste the clock by pretending you didn't understand the question and answering something that was not asked. My opponent here wants to turn our country into communism. No, no, no. They'd say socialism too. <laughs> because they want to dispel both of them. They're right. not the same. 
Yes. And I keep saying that, but I haven't actually defined the two. Okay. If you want to know the difference between the two, the main difference is that communism is authoritarian, meaning Mm -hmm. that we can't do anything without the state basically controlling it. And socialism is not. It's basically, it's got elements of collectivism where we can share resources and help each other, but we still have freedoms and a free market and all these things that go with it. So it's like saying um, libertarians and Nazis are the same which is the complete, like, it's so different if you understand them, because Nazis controlled everything in the state, even though they did technically have uh, capitalist features. And libertarianism means, like, no state at all. So they're they're on the same side of the spectrum, but they're yeah. not the same. And so these these words are often used to straw man others, and I guess that's why you defined it. Yeah. Because people will throw around words like Nazi, authoritarian, fascist, communist. and Socialist. And they'll make these, yeah, well, th- socialist is a common one, and, and they're used to to create a false image of what the other person may actually be arguing so they can knock it down. That, or they could be doing it to try to like marry two ideas together because by doing that, they can dispel both of them by just evoking one of them. So the constant Mm. call to mix socialism and communism up seems to discredit any, is attempting to discredit any kind of move towards socialism because like the rich and powerful don't want to have to give anything to anybody. Even if it would make society better, it'll make, it'll make them lose Well, it'll make them earn slightly less. It's not even like they're really losing that much. There we go. Yeah. But they feel like it's an attack or that's a loss. So they're not willing to go for it. But we've already got elements of socialism. We'll get into that later. I want to talk about the the new forms. Apparently, there are new forms proposed of the, the straw man. And they have uh, interesting names. Oh, so didn't know that. Two guys in 2006 came out with uh, newer forms to dissect it a little bit more. Uh, one guy's, they're, they're a team. It's Robert Talese and Scott Aiken. So the first example is the straw man, as we know, called the re- representative form, which misrepresents the opponent's position. So like I said, putting words in their mouth and making fun of them for saying it. The thing is, a lot of the examples I was finding for any of these things they often were just so obvious that it would take a child to be convinced by it. And the problem with straw men is that they can be so subtle that it can end up seeming like it didn't happen at all. And that's the one we really have to watch for. Yeah. So the second form is the weak man, which is called the selection form, which is choosing a small portion of what somebody said, trouncing that, and then acting like you beat their entire argument. So they said arguments A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you address the weakest one, which might be, I don't know, argument C. Yeah. And then you're like, ha, look at the dominoes fall. It's all falling apart. Right. It's almost like discrediting the person through maybe they say one thing wrong. And then look, they can't be trusted. They said this one bad thing. Yeah, it is kind of like that. It's kind of an ad hominem, right. which is an attack against the person. Yeah, it's very similar. Ad hominemism and, and strawmen sound very similar. And I almost confused the, confused the two when you mentioned we we're going to talk about that. I think that's because um, the strawman is not... It's not a singular argument. Mm-hmm. That's the, the difficulty with it. It's misrepresenting somebody else's arguments. Yes. So it can it can take unlimited forms, yeah. basically, because any logical fallacy can be a straw man if you're inserting it at different times. Because what you it's just basically taking an argument that's presented, not addressing that argument, but addressing something that appears similar. So the variation of the weak man is called nut picking, <laughs> which what? is uh, nut as in uh, crazy people, oh, like the okay. nuts, and picking as in like nitpicking. So it, it's it's a variation of the weak man because you're again choosing a subsection 
So this one is seeking out extremely fringe, non-representative statements or individuals that are members of opposing groups and parading them as evidence that the entire group is incompetent or irrational. Mm. So that you see a lot of times and all over the, all these things will be seen along the political spectrum because people are not trying to find the truth. They're trying to win. Yeah. And so I've seen like libertarians say examples, like I might've brought this up before. I've talked about it a fair bit, but this guy, this area needed a new, an outdoor stairway in like this park. To help people go up and down. Obviously, that's what stairs are for. <laughs> and he built it. And then the city came. I think he built it for like $2,000 or something. And then the city came in and bulldozed it and ended up spending $15,000. And so people on the Libertarian subreddit are like decrying this as, oh, look how stupid and incompetent the government is. But this is nut picking because if you actually look deeper into the story, the man actually built unsafe stairs that were not very good and they wouldn't stand for long mm. and could actually be a risk to the city for being sued and such. So the city came in and, and formally made like concrete professional stairs. And yeah, it might have cost a little bit more than like somebody who was competent and a team of people could have done. But the guy's original work was garbage. So it needed to be redone. And, and when I hear the, the idea of not picking the first thing that comes to mind is the political spectrum and how people on the right will choose select uh, people on the left and say, look, they're crazy. And then people on the left will, will do the same with people on the right. And, it, and you know, the, the blue haired feminist. Yeah. It, it's, it's happening both ways. And, and so that's, that's something that first comes to mind. Oh, it, this is definitely not just on one side. I've tried to pick examples from all over lately, I guess has been a lot more from the right, but we'll get to it. Uh, okay. So the next one is the hollow man, which is a not, it doesn't actually have a formal name for it, but I just called it ridiculous fabrication. So it's arguments put forward that are ridiculous claims, usually starting with some people think or some say, <laughs> and you might immediately think of Trump saying that, but there was in some of the research I did here, both Obama and Trump did this on regular occasions. Like Obama said a number of things like some people think we should solve all our problems by going in with guns blazing, or some people think problems will solve themselves. And I don't agree with that. And so they'll, ah. they'll put up a claim without anybody actually saying it. Or like Trump, if you want to find, get some examples, I might misquote him here, but uh, he said stuff like, some people think that I'm the greatest president ever. Some people think that like I had the biggest turnout in any presidential inauguration, yeah. but it's not founded. It's not, there's no particular person saying this. He's not held up to account to say like which people are saying this. Or a more, a more relevant example. Some people, some people want to take away all of your guns. Some people want to take away all of your rights and cower on, in, under their desks for safety reasons for this pandemic, which I'm going to get to as well. Some people want to make you wear a mask forever. Yeah. Some people, think that it's okay to just give up all your freedoms and not fight for them for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people, I'm sure some people really think that. Right. So that's, that brings us to the steel man. Okay. So the steel man is the opposite, the, the, the actual desirable form of this. And I kind of broke it down into four steps. We've basically talked about it before. So the first step is to clarify or restate the stronger form of what you think your opponent is saying focusing on the particular weak points to make sure you understand them. So if they say something that sounds ridiculous, you say, hold on a second. It sounds like you're saying this, but I think you're saying that. And then you listen to your opponents for step two. You listen to your opponents restating and clarification. And then step three is you repeat one and two until you get to a that's right statement from your opponent. Step four is you finally tear that argument apart. Oh, okay. okay, so you're not 
compelled to agree with them. You just make sure that you understand the strongest form of their argument and then you attack it. Okay. See, I like this. It's almost the, the opposite of the straw man and that you're, you're, it's putting good faith in the other person having a strong argument, you're getting them to their strongest version of that and then attacking that. So it's a harder fight. Yes. It's more challenging for sure because you're actually fighting a real argument. As I think the, I can't remember which famous philosopher said this, but it was something along the lines of, I think it was people who don't honestly interact with others that hold opposing beliefs don't understand either their own or the other's belief. So unless you actually engage with somebody who believes other than what you believe, then you probably don't understand your own stance, let alone theirs. Because I've made this kind of point with understanding one's country. Without having left the country, it's very difficult to actually understand any real perspective on your own country because you don't have a comparison. Mm. So by having lived in Australia and China, I can better view Canada. Weirdly enough, living in those other countries helped me understand my own country better. Yeah. Yeah. And so getting to understand the the other side, um, it helps you understand your own side. And I, mean, I guess this is a model for more productive debate versus the typical type of debate where you see constant straw manning happening. Yeah. it's This form is seeking to get to the truth. You're actually seeking to understand. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yes, Stephen Covey. What, however many habits of <laughs> successful people. <laughs> I can't remember how many there are. Six habits? Wh- I, whatever. Um, yeah, that, that book. The 12 habits? Whichever. Okay. Sure. The bunch of habits that are help, help you be successful. So the example I wanted to talk about for steel manning was toxic masculinity. Ooh, I didn't think you were going to go there. Wow. There's going to be a lot of hot button issues in this. I feel like I need to not back down from them. Let's walk on eggshells. Toxic masculinity, I find, is often strawmanned as masculinity isn't toxic. Men aren't toxic, blah, blah, blah. But that's like, how how do you see this as being misrepresenting? Yeah, people like to strawman that concept. That's another concept we might be able to talk about. But uh, people like to strawman the concept itself and, and make it into something that it never really was originally in the literature. It means all men are bad and we should get rid of masculinity and that we should make everyone like women. Uh, and that's not yes. that's not how I understood the concept. It was a dec- about a decade ago, maybe 12 years ago. I came across it in the in the sociological literature, um, in the feminist realm and gender studies, and it really was never meant to symbolize that ever. Uh, and only only nope. recently, when the concept of toxic masculinity took hold in popular culture, it started to be strawmanned into this this broad demonization of men. And maybe there are some people who are doing that, and that's not. I mean, there definitely are some people that are doing that. And oftentimes it's a reaction from trauma. Yeah. And so that, that this, the straw man, is, it sounds a lot like the nut picking thing you mentioned earlier yep. and that you're taking a select group of people who are actually saying that and then creating this concept just focused on that. But, uh, if you follow the, the lineage of the concept in the literature, it ne- never was meant to mean that at all. It was meant to symbolize a a particular form of masculinity, not all masculinity. I don't even think I would agree with that. It's 
a subsection of masculinity. There are elements to masculinity that not just a particular form, a particular form, I guess, that leans into the toxic elements too much, but like the parts that stop men from expressing feelings or That's from I mean. yes. showing vulnerability exactly. or from using women. These things are the toxic elements yeah. that do exist within there masculinity. But That's what I mean. Yeah, but it's like a red car, right? If we say like red cars are inferior, we're not saying all cars are inferior. The adjective makes a subsection of that group. So mm-hmm. red cars does not mean all cars. It just means specifically the cars that are red. Yeah. And so in this case, it's masculinity that is toxic because there are elements of it. Like a subsection. Yes, exactly. Yes. I would Got also it. like to point out that there would also be, and this is going to be the more of a hot tub, hot button issue, that there is also toxic femininity. Yeah. <laughs> there are elements that I guess you could argue that they are just masculine representations, but workplace mobbing could be seen as toxic femininity where they are constantly talking about one person at the, at the place until they can no longer function and have to leave. That kind of bullying could be seen as toxic femininity, but hmm. it's a stickier issue because it's not something that people want to admit that it can be. But everything can be toxic. Even water is toxic if you drink too much of it. So (laughs) I think we need to acknowledge that. Yeah, I'll I'll say, because I know we're going to get attacked for that, that toxic masculinity is certainly a bigger problem. But toxic femininity also exists. Well, Hmm? the way the the pairing of femininity and masculinity originally came about in the literature, we're getting really into this concept right now, which we could do a whole episode on. But uh, it was toxic masculinity and emphasized femininity. And that was kind of the, the dialectic that was originally discussed in this particular literature. Okay. So what is, uh, emphasized femininity then? Yeah, that was the, that was the problematic form of femininity that was kind of juxtaposed against this toxic masculinity. Why they decided to use different terms then? Because they're, they're different things. And so emphasized femininity would be something like, uh, the, the hip hop music videos where women are objectified and, and certain body parts highly emphasized and kind of associated with the bodily realm. Whereas I would argue these things are, are completely different. They're adjacent, but not related. I mean, I, then again, I, I'm just learning about that right now, right so now, don't hold yeah. me to that. And, and so it'd be one creating the other, the toxic masculinity of like see the, the yeah. aggressive kind of uh, objectifying masculinity creates the emphasized femininity. And- but the flaw here is that like women are completely and always innocent and can never commit any harms, which is not true. And I'm not going to, I mean, women have been blamed throughout history for lots of things, but sometimes it is warranted and sometimes it's not. And so I think there would be a division there. For instance, there have been examples where I don't, I'm very Antoinette, I'm not going to use her, but there are examples where a male leader in a patriarchal society is in power, but he's kind of naive. And then a much smarter woman comes along and sees that she can wrap him around her finger and ends up misprioritizing, misallocating the, the situation, prioritizing her own desires over the, the needs of the, the kingdom. And it can end up in terrible situations. So that could be an element of toxic femininity because like feminine power, we're really getting off on like gender tangents, but like yeah. femininity is not a bad thing, but it can be used badly. It's a tool just like masculinity are in, in a way, a structure that can manifest in a good way and a bad way. Like it can be nurturing, but then if you take it too far, then it becomes toxic. Like taking too much of any substance becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. So nurturing is a good thing generally. But if we go to the extent where we nurture so much that we coddle somebody and they don't actually develop, that could be seen as toxic femininity then, mm-hmm. I guess, an easier example, a more defensible example. Right, right. And what as I was describing emphasized femininity, I, I just thought of the, the new Cardi B music video uh, called uh, WAP. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm familiar with it. It's made a huge controversy, especially around Ben Shapiro. And it's just, yeah. And that, so that this, that's an example of women owning their own femininity in a, in a highly emphasized way. So that kind of plays into this argument to, in, a, in a different way. And we can do a whole discussion mm-hmm. of all of this. So let's get back maybe to the straw manning idea and that. Well, there, there isn't really much more actually to say about straw manning. We've basically defined both sides that I, I had to say. But there's some interesting examples I wanted to get into. Well, this isn't. Well, talking about toxic masculinity is an example because mm. that is how people often misrepresent it. And it is still a valid argument that we need to address broadly. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't want to acknowledge that all problems are caused exclusively by men because that's uh, that's a straw man in itself. Mm. And maybe I'm straw manning people's positions, but I've, that is the underlying thing when we look at, I guess, looking at what you're talking about with toxic masculinity and express femininity. Those both at their core like point back to men being the source of these ills. And in those examples, yeah, that's true. But I think it is probably more complex than that almost always. But let's move off of that like you seem to want to. <laughs> yeah. So we can talk about finance. Finance is one of the ones I, I touched on a little bit. I Again, I, I kept finding really simple, stupid examples that are not from the real world. They're not entirely practical. So this one, I, I you see quite a bit leveled at millennials, that millennials are poor because they buy too many lattes and avocado toast. Oh, is that why? I didn't realize that. <laughs> Why are you reacting like that? (laughs) (laughs) That's why. That is the example that I like to level at our generation or anybody younger as if like, honestly, the, the argument seems to be that only older or rich people should be able to have small creature comforts that maintain their sanity while they grind away. Like, it's not acceptable for poor people to have even a single reprieve. Is it also like Netflix that's causing us to go broke? It's so stupid. So the counter to this that I, I liked was from Ramit Sethi. He's a writer for the blog, um, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And he's very no nonsense, but he's, I think, either Gen X or millennial. But he says to concentrate on the relatively few personal finance decisions that actually make long term a difference in your long term financial health. So he, he proposes focusing on conscious spending, which would alleviate this stupid non argument, really. He says conscious spending isn't about cutting your your spending on everything because that approach wouldn't last two days. It is quite simply about choosing the things that you love enough to spend extravagantly on and then cutting costs mercilessly on the things you don't love, end quote. Yeah, I like it. Yes. So another one is about the vaccine. So this is going to COVID-19 more topical for this past while that I've seen. I'm sure many, many more will pop out because they seem to churn out such a rapid pace. So the vaccines one that I I see at the rollouts happening is that Mm -hmm. some people have died after taking the vaccine. And so people have concluded that the vaccine is worse than the disease because it's killing people. Oh, what do you think about this? Well, obviously not uh, scientifically proven. Where's the straw man here? Okay, so the straw man is that it's it's not talking specifically about who is dying and what they're dying from. Typically, when people have died, it's been very old people. And when it comes to vaccines, we typically don't actually vaccinate old people. From what I was seeing, maybe we do, but generally it's not advised when somebody has a very tenuous grasp on health. They have a number of conditions going on. Normal reactions to vaccines like small increases in inflammation or other such things that are not usually harmful to people could actually trigger a bigger cascade of negative health outcomes for these people. And so some older people have died, but as it's been pointed out by several people, usually they have underlying health issues that are going on and those get maybe triggered from the response to the vaccine. So it's not the vaccine itself. 
any vaccine would cause this potentially to them, which is yeah. generally why we do herd immunity, because these people are so weak that we cannot give them the vaccine, right. but we just stop everyone else from doing it. And so I've seen examples of some people passing out after getting the, the vaccine, and that will be kind of used as an example of, look what happened. The vaccine made this person unconscious when really perhaps they were just queasy and don't like getting shots and typically will pass out from a shot. So the context is missing. Yeah, we don't actually know. But people who are against it, I don't actually know why either side is against vaccines. I mean, the left tends to be against it because they think it's unnatural for your body. And they think it can cause, I think it's them, the left, who thinks that it causes autism. But the right, I don't understand that why they wouldn't be down with it because they're the ones that want to open up the economy and get back to work. So oh, from what I've heard, I don't want to straw man, so I try to be very uh, accurate in what I say. Careful. It's that uh, it's used as a way for the rich elite to control the masses and you don't know what they put in there and the idea of potentially having microchips. <laughs> uh, that's kind of one example. I've heard that argument. Well, for one, the microchip thing is obviously ridiculous because we already have trackers on us at all times called our cell phones, which we willingly carry around with us all the time with microphones, cameras and GPS yeah. for one. But like also, do they really think we have the technology and the expense to implant microscopic chips that'll transmit indefinitely from one shot like what that'd be more the libertarian right in that it's a kind of a fear of uh, being controlled yeah and more of the social conservative right uh, uh, or christian argument from what i've seen is the idea that there is a small amount of uh, dna oh, derived right. from yeah uh, a fetal a lung uh, and that uh, fetus uh, was terminated through an abortion back in the I believe the 80s and so the stem cell or, or DNA or I don't I don't really know how these things work were derived from from this elective abortion back then and so there is truth to this, but there's a lot more context in how this works. First off, we don't know that it was an elective abortion. It could have been necessary. We don't have that fact. Like it could have been life-saving abortion, in which case I think a lot of Christians will flip on that. Secondly, I don't remember, I, you sent me some stuff on this, but is the fetal tissue still in there? How is it still around from the 80s? Are we just continuing to cultivate it? It's kind of like, I, I can't speak on this at all. I don't know how it works. It's, I would imagine it's something like cloning I would say maybe they're cultivating it, like continuing to get it to divide in like cultivation dishes, maybe. Yeah, it's several generations away from this incident. Which means it was a one-time thing that happened and we're still, okay, yeah. But then also the question is, is it the research from those stem cells from that fetus that we're using today? Or is the literal fetus tissue still in there? It's I don't know. I don't have any of these answers because this is not what it's talking about. I think it's more the former than the latter. But... What we're doing here is actually, I think, in a way, steel manning because we're we're really trying to understand how someone might be against this, and we're not and we're not just selectively saying like some people say it's I don't know, and then some ridiculous oversimplification. We're actually trying to understand the specifics of how that may actually be true, and and from what I've looked at, there is some truth to that lineage. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, that's related for sure. It's a common thing used in all vaccines is these cells used from, from abortions. And, and it sounds completely ridiculous when you hear it at first, like, wait a minute, this is actually happening. And, and it turns out it's a normal thing in science. Uh, but when you learn the bigger, the broader context around how these things developed, it's not as uh, inflammatory as it originally sounds. Also, when it comes to stem cells, it's not 
just aborted fetuses anymore. Apparently, they can get stem cells from umbilical cords and other things as well. I've read research, I think it was like a decade ago, that they were able to, what's it called? Or they spin something and separate it out. Centrifuge. Called. Yeah, when they use a centrifuge to separate out the stem cells from adult tissue. Because adult tissue still has stem cells in there. It's just a much lower count mm-hmm. because we're fully grown. We don't need to have them as frequently. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways to get it. Because I remember at that time, they were looking at people who got liposuction. They could use the fat to, at this point, it was weird. It was a tech article about using stem cells in applied purposes. And the way they were going to do it was by starting with breast augmentation. They were going to, if you were going to get breast augmentation, and they, then they could use stem cells from liposuction at the same time. So you could get a smaller stomach and larger breasts at the same time or whatever you want to take it from. Because apparently you can't just, generally you can't inject fat from one place to another because there's no blood supply. So it'll just, mm-hmm. it'll be injected, it'll stay there and then it'll just die and rot, mm-hmm. which is obviously bad. So what they were trying to do was take the fat that they took out, separate out the stem cells from that fat and then inject those stem cells into the breasts, which would cause it to become breast tissue or fat tissue or wherever it was injected. Wow. Uh, at the time, the problem was that if you had, say, a tumor, then putting these stem cells next to the tumor would help it to grow. But that's a uh, relatively small risk. I don't know what ever happened to that technology, but I do know that that form of breast augmentation actually is possible, but I think they actually figured out how to do it with actual fat. Anyway, wow. we're way off topic here. We're way out of our expertise as well. My point, my point of, yes. And my point of talking <laughs> about that was that I think stem cells don't require dead babies as the people who have issues with this would say. Uh, it actually, I think from normal live births, you can take it from the umbilical cord yes. or we can cultivate them in other ways. That was my point. Okay, moving on. The next one was masks to do with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. The people are saying that it's hard to, honestly, it's really hard to steel man this because they said stuff like masks are even more dangerous than not wearing them okay. and that people keep reusing the same masks over and over again and that that causes them to get sick and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't seem, well, that blah, blah, blah is probably not great. But, yeah, you're not doing much of a steel man right there. I'm trying, honestly. I, I can't see valid. Like, okay, <laughs> if you were to take a, a wet mask that you've been carrying around the entire time, you continue to wear it and you keep it wet, crumpled up in a pocket that is going to retain the moisture, like, say, a plastic bag, mm-hmm. then yeah, mold and shit will grow. However, even if it gets moldy, it doesn't seem like it's going to be as big a threat as it is a virus that we don't fully understand (laughs) as well. This is a respiratory virus even back. Okay. This is a fun fact. I think in the, has it 1918 flu? The, the, the major Spanish flu, I think it was 100 years ago. Hold on one second. I'm just going to check this to double check. 1918 flu. Yeah, the 1918 flu pandemic. It had a really high death rate. And even then we had people that it was very well established and has been established that respiratory viruses, a preventative measure that is effective is using masks. Even like flimsy cloth masks are better than nothing. Even back then, this is just over 100 years ago, when the death rate was actually significantly higher than we're currently dealing with, thank God, they also had anti-mask protests and stuff that had to be shut down at that time. They actually did stop them in, I think, New York and a few other major cities. Mm-hmm. So this is not a new thing. These, the sad looking at the history of pandemics that the things that are happening now, basically the book I read about that said that the pandemic itself is one thing, but the sister plagues that come with the actual biological plague is um, misinformation and denial. Exactly what happened now is what happens seemingly every time. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And so you didn't do much of a steel man. Well, um, my point is these are straw man arguments that I'm trying to take down. So (laughs) (laughs) what do you want me to do? Like steel man? Like I basically, I have to argue against what I actually believe with a bad argument that it's it's not... (laughs) 
I'm not going to do that very well because these obviously seem wrong to me. Yeah. For instance, another argument is like death rates, that the death rate this year is as low as it normally ever has been, or that the death rate of the virus is so low that we don't need to worry about them. Okay, I think in the most favorable situations, the death rate is 1%. However, that even if that is true, which it seems, it ignores much of the picture. That's the problem with this as a, as a straw man. Because when it comes to death rates, that's ignoring contagiousness, that's ignoring a bunch of other factors to do with it, like uh, what the knock-on effects can be. Yeah. What are the long-term effects of the things. Some people had apparently their hair fall out after months. Some people had serious cardiovascular damage to their system. Some had neurological damage. It's not, it seems like it's not just our lungs. It's not about just how many people died. Yeah. It's about uh, other weird things that are happening. It's got a hyper focus to try to persuade people that it's not a big risk. And I actually, when it first came came out and I was under lockdown in China, I actually came out with this argument myself before it became like a main thing. But then within a few days, I changed that argument and said that it doesn't actually seem to be the true. You're a flip-flopper. Because like people jumped on me for that saying that I originally said it. Yeah, right. Like I, I did more in, did more investigation and found out that it wasn't it wasn't a very valid comparison. Yeah. Because the unknowns are the, the main risk with a, a novel virus, especially one that, that spreads so quickly and as it spreads, it mutates. So that's another one. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there's the, the false dichotomy straw man of if we don't get the economy going, then there'll be more people dying from the economy's shortcomings than from the virus itself. Mm-hmm. Though this is often stated without evidence and ignores other aspects. This reminds me a lot of the slippery, slippery slope argument where uh, it's used as a straw man saying, well, if we allow the government to do this one thing, then they're going to do this other massive thing. Yeah, that happened with gay people, gay marriage. If, right. if we let two people the same gender and species marry, then they're going to start marrying dogs. But like that <laughs> clearly does not follow. <laughs> yeah. So if we let the government dictate that we have to wear masks, then they're going to take away our free speech. Exactly. Or it seems honestly like a lot of motivated motivated argumentation that it's hard not to think that they're doing this on purpose. Because another example is one of those conservative guys, like, I don't want to say his name. He basically argued that, so he's attacking Bernie Sanders. Sanders wants to raise the minimum wage, but he also wants to tax above a certain threshold. And so by raising the minimum wage, this guy is arguing that he is tricking people into entering a higher tax bracket and ending up losing more money because they're in a higher tax bracket. Can you explain why this is false, Steve? No. You've come across this a number of times at the casino with people saying that they could work more hours, but if they work more hours, then they'll actually be in a higher tax bracket and they'll lose money. You don't remember this? Right. Okay. Well, the idea of, yeah, if you're working too much overtime, you're just getting taxed more, so it's not worth it. And as, as we both know, uh, more money is always more money. Uh, depending, even if you're taxed more, you're still making more in the long run. But I think people are are saying to, to steel man people who who say that. Let me let me take the steel manning position here. I think it's coming from a place of I make enough money working the amount of hours I'm required to work, and I don't need the extra money, and so. There's, it's not going to make me any happier to work more. I would rather spend the time with my family. And so it doesn't, it's just going to be uh, taxed at a higher amount. So my time is better spent elsewhere. Yeah, that is what they, the best argument could be. Or at the increased tax rate that happens if I work overtime per hour, I'm making less than I normally would. And I find that this is not worth my time. Exactly. So it's diminishing returns. So if you're working yes. uh, more and you're, you're getting paid just diminishing amounts the more you work is it even worth it if you're not significantly happy at your job and you would rather 
you spend the time with your family and you have enough money. And so that's the steel man argument for that. Yeah. But the problem here with the straw man example and that we haven't addressed is that this is usually in a system that are marginal tax brackets, which mean that, okay, money you earn from zero to like a certain number of thousands of dollars gets taxed at 0%. And then from say, and I think in Canada, it's like 13,000. So from 13,000 and $1, only the money in that tax bracket gets taxed at a higher rate. It's not like mm. if you make three thirteen thousand and one dollar all thirteen thousand dollars is taxed at the percentage of the higher rate it's only that one dollar over the limit ah. i'm not explaining this very well can you help me yeah yeah uh, anything over that thirteen thousand is taxed at the higher rate anything under it's still taxed at the lower rate is what i hear you saying yes. i don't i don't know anything exactly. about this area but that's what i hear you saying <laughs> <laughs> basically yes that is how it works it's not like all your money suddenly Okay, so if we think about it, like, say, different colors, so from 0 to 13, that's blue. And then the next section is, say, yellow from 13 and 1 to, say, 42. The next one is 42 and $1 to, I can't remember, like 120, 80, some, some higher level. That's red. So the blue section is taxed at 0. Then the yellow section is taxed at a certain amount, and then the red section is taxed at a higher amount. But it's only the money over those limits that actually gets taxed at that rate. It's not like if you hit the red section, all sections turn red. They mm. still stay blue, yellow, and red. And that would make sense because if you you would be incentivized to be like a dollar under a limit because it would make a massive difference if it wasn't that way. And people think that. Yeah. People do argue these things and they actually believe that that's how it works, but it's it's a misunderstanding of it. And this guy is trying to use that to his advantage. Right. So that people will be against raising minimum wage, which is against their self-interest. Yes. If they're working minimum wage jobs, it is. But also, I mean, wow. Well, Let's not get into that. Next example is spirituality. <laughs> so God of the gaps. Okay. When people basically use that, God of the gaps is people saying that science can't explain this. Therefore, it must be God. That's a straw man because just because we don't currently understand something doesn't mean it must be a higher power. You can believe that if you like, but there's no evidence to prove that. It's just you're saying the lack of evidence for this equals that. That's mm -hmm. a straw man of how science works. Straw manning the gaps. Straw manning the lack of understanding to mean something else, I guess you yeah. could say. Let's see. Yeah. The argument is that we don't know, so we, we can't say anything. And then the straw man is that because we don't know, it must be God. Yeah. Or maybe it's a fallacious argument. I don't know. Maybe I'm mis <laughs> mislabeling that one. A better one is saying that we evolved from monkeys and people not liking evolution say, if we evolved from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? Why don't we have three arms? Wouldn't that give me a competitive advantage? That's obviously, that's kind of a straw man itself of their arguments, but these arguments have been made. The best one, I guess, is if we evolve from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? The same reason there are different plants, like they adapt to different environments. And mm -hmm. as a result, they end up taking different forms because it was more advantageous for that environment. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the original plant doesn't exist, right? but it means that the plant moved to a new location and that new location or environments caused it to change. Yeah. It's almost like saying like, why didn't everything evolve to be humans then? Yeah. It, it is just a misunderstanding of how evolution is. It's just, it's strawmanning the statements of evolution that all members of a species must progress the same or else it's not true. It's not the claim they're making. Right, right. The media also does a lot. Sorry, you want to say what? I, I want to switch the topic a little bit as we near the end. The The Simpsons episode that you had sent me. <laughs> uh, it's yes. just so hilarious. In infomercials, I want to I want to kind of end uh, We've talked about a lot of heavy topics. And I want to bring it into a, a light, uh, hilarious area for a bit. Would you want to describe the Simpsons example? Uh, it's Troy McClure doing a infomercial for a orange juice machine. <laughs> 
where he says that the only, we all know, this is again, a straw man just setting it up by that statement almost. Mm -hmm. We all know that the only way to get juice from an orange is this way. And he crushes the orange on his forehead. He's, no, he's crushing it on his eye. Oh, I thought it was his forehead. Yeah, he's crushing the orange into his eye. And he's like, as we all know, this is the only way to get orange juice from an orange. You're crushing it into your eye. <laughs> like really forces it. Yeah. And then it, it cuts to Homer doing that on the couch as he's washing that. Yeah. He's like, wait a minute, there's a better way. <laughs> and then they have a machine that they say, wait a minute, doctor, is it even on? I can't hear it. And they're yelling over this really loud machine and they're like, it's whisper quiet. The juice loosener. And then yeah. he puts a one drop of juice and it's like, oh, I can't believe it's that much juice. From one wow. whole bag of oranges is what he literally says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From one whole bag. And so the straw man there is, is saying that this inferior way of crushing an orange against your eye is like the, the apparently the best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and infomercials do this all the time. It, they it, do. It, it, we, we, we see the black and white <laughs> cuts of someone like fumbling, fumbling with their pots and pans in the cupboard. But even the black and white itself, that, that is a framing that they're trying to make it seem boring and drab. Yeah. It's like, do you struggle to cook your eggs? <laughs> someone trying to take the, the, the pan out of the cupboards, everything's falling on them and like it's all scratched and all that and usually they throw their arms in frustration and look at the camera like <sighs> what am i doing here i'm an idiot yes agreed there's got to be a better way so they're using the straw man framing of this is how this is the only other way to do it our product is way better in comparison yes actually i guess we we, we covered many examples here but you, you're right it was kind of heavy a couple light ones i wanted to say was like uh self-driving cars it's not super light but they are arguing that self-driving cars are not safe because one self-driving car hit one person and killed them. And this is a false argument because it's ignoring the fact it's not making a comparison. It's saying that one death happened from this. Therefore, it's not safe. But the true comparison is self-driving cars versus people driving cars. The argument they're, <laughs> they're not stating is that people driving cars don't kill anyone is what they're trying to argue. But that's obviously not true. That's the assumed alternative. Yeah. This self-driving car is bad because it killed someone. And if you compare it to a person driving a car, is it really better? Well, I think the jury's out still on that. But eventually it should be safer. Ultimately, we don't, we don't know. Yeah, there's no there's no comparison. Yeah, we're, it's still being developed, so we can't yeah. rule it out. Another one I want to talk about was the uh, the whole this generation. Everyone's given ribbons and everyone's a winner. That's a straw man too, saying that 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 led to entitlement. What do you think about this? Mm. Oh, completely. Yeah, and, and and so this argument that these millennials are so entitled because they got participation ribbons. I got participation ribbons and I felt ashamed. I didn't feel yeah, entitled. Like, same. <laughs> I'm like, you have to be stupid to think that that's equal to the first or second place. They're for one, they're different colors. So you might, I would have preferred oh. getting nothing because getting that participation no. ribbon was proof of failure. Hey, you suck. And here's proof. That's basically what they're saying. It was like a badge. It was a badge of shame. It was, it was not at all. A, yeah. I feel proud and entitled. No. It seemed misguided even for the kids. Cause like as a child, I was, yeah, I, I didn't, I basically threw them away. I didn't want to keep them. Why the, oh, sorry, I'm trying not to say that for <laughs> Why, why the hell would I be happy to have a bunch of, Hey, you didn't win ribbons. Yeah. There were signs of shame. There were nothing that they didn't make me feel good. They make me feel worse. So I don't feel like that yeah. argument is actually valid. No, it, it, it is very much used by a, perhaps a generation that didn't experience the badge of shame. 
Another one was uh, like people arguing that we should have better study guides or maybe better instruction in schools. And people will re reproach them by saying that they're against that idea because they don't want to give out easy A's. This is a common one. Or uh, we shouldn't help the poor because we're discouraging them from actually working and that we're rewarding failure kind of thing. But the question often like for one, that's that's a strong man because it's like some of these people started in a situation. They didn't fail. They didn't even get to try yet. So that's mm -hmm. not... <laughs> valid. So anyway, I'm going to move on to counters to the straw man. I talked about like what we should aim to do, but sometimes people will use this against us. So we need to have an idea of how to deal with that. And this is from examples.yourdictionary.com. It's an odd extension, honestly, but they, they point out three strategies you can do to counter somebody doing this to you. Okay. Maybe think if you can think of better ones. Uh, one is point out why you believe your, the objection is a straw man argument and then challenge them to justify their distorted view. So if you say, I, I like dogs and they say, so you hate cats. And you say, okay, what makes you think that I hate cats because I like dogs <laughs> and then get oh. them to actually defend that shitty argument. So instead of saying, no, I don't. Yeah. Which sounds obviously reactive. You would just put the ball in their court and say, hmm. Interesting. So what makes you think I don't like cats then? It's like when people, like when I was talking about people accusing me of moving the goalposts, the best defense I, I came up with since then is asking them, okay, so what did you think my original goal, like what my original position was and what did you think I changed it to? Ooh. Because I do everything I can to not fall into these. Of course, everyone still does occasionally. Yeah. Then number two is ignore and continue elaborating your original point. Basically, <laughs> pretend they never made the points to begin with. So you hate cats and you, and you continue to say what you're saying. I love dogs. Dogs are great. And that doesn't take away from other things. And, and it doesn't take away from my love of any other animals. Dogs are the best. Yeah. And not getting defensive is the key right there. I mean, it's key for most argumentation. Mm. Uh, the last one that they suggest is choose to accept the straw man, but stay but go on to state why it is unrelated and irrelevant. So for the self-driving car example, you would yeah. acknowledge the incident of the one person dying, but then you would stop, you do what I basically just did. You acknowledge that, yeah, okay, somebody died, but then you have to say like the comparison isn't fair because we're not comparing self-driving cars versus nothing. We're comparing self-driving cars versus people-driven cars. Yeah. And so for the dog and cat example, you would say, if you did legitimately hate cats and it's irrelevant, you would say, you're right, I don't like cats. And I don't see how that's relevant to my discussion of dogs Yeah, right now. To go on, I guess a guide that was put out by Daniel Dennett, as you're familiar with. Yep. Apparently people think he's going to be the next Bertrand Russell. Big names if you're familiar with philosophy, but if you're not, then that might be meaningless. <laughs> okay, so he, he gave general critical feedback and criticism for criticism. Uh, from a post, actually, another one on brain pickings that drew it to my attention was how to criticize with kindness. Mm -hmm. So he gives a four-step way to successfully critically comment on something. And this applies a lot to online because it's text-based communication and you have as much time as you want. In verbal communications, these may not apply. I think instead you have to go with my four steps I mentioned before, which was try to like restate or point out the flaws and get them to elaborate, then repeat back to make sure understood, and then finally attack once they agree with your, your representation. So Daniel Dennett's four steps on successful critical commentary are one, you should attempt to re-express your target's position so clearly, vividly, and fairly that your target says, thanks, I wish I'd put it that way. Number two is 
You should list any points of agreement, especially if they are not matters of general or widespread agreement, so giving them credit where credit is due. Three, you should mention anything you've learned from your target, complimenting them and making, like, basically Mm -hmm. thanking them for elucidating some point for you. And then four, only then are you permitted to say so much as a word of rebuttal or criticism. Wow, love it. So go through these things. Start by expressing it so clearly that they would thank you for it. List any points of agreement, mention what you learned, and then you can address what they talked about. That's So that's the definition of steel manning their argument first. Or as we said before, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yes. But the thing is, sometimes you can understand them, but their point isn't well elaborated. So like I was talking about before, sometimes getting them to walk through their thinking or walk through their arguments, that alone can refute their argument because they didn't actually fully flesh it out. Yeah. So you're not even arguing them. You're just walking them through their own argument very, very carefully. Yes. And to a point where perhaps it falls apart. Right. Wow. Love it. For the conclusion, the dichotomy here, and I don't think it's necessarily a false dichotomy. It's between winning or understanding. But then again, I guess yeah. you can you can do both. But if you're prioritizing just winning, then you would straw man. So the straw man is often used to win an argument, even if there is no audience, even if the winner may on some level realize that they haven't actually won. The point is not to understand what they're saying or to get to the truth. It's purely a shallow ego victory. I find that anytime there is moralizing or representation of an argument that you can't believe any rational person would believe, then it's probably a straw man and you should probably do some deeper digging, like the um, toxic masculinity example, the example that all men are toxic and irredeemably so. That's not an argument that will be very widely accepted by people because obviously men have some admirable traits. Steel manning is about being magnanimous and seeking the truth. So one approach that I guess I kind of do, it's kind of a more strategic steel manning, is when I'm playing board games with people and they're stuck, I will actually try to give them the best advice I can given their position, even if it screws me. Mm. Because honestly, I I don't want to win if it's from a technicality or from some really silly mistake. I'd rather have like an actual worthwhile opponent and then get better from that. Mm, Nice. Yeah. So the quote, (laughs) I had a quote I want to finish on, unless you have something you want to say first. No, your your endings are just the best. I'm just loving everything. (laughs) And you're always so complimentary about my endings. So thank you, Stephen. No, as you're talking, I'm just like, oh, it's so good every time. (laughs) Good. Okay, so Arthur Martin, a guy that we may actually want to look into because he seems like an earlier Dale Carnegie. In 1866, he wrote a conversation guide called In Disputes Upon Moral or Scientific Points. Sorry, that's not, I think that's the subheading. That's not the name of the, the book. Quote, let your aim be to come at truth, not to conquer your opponents. So you shall never be at a loss in losing the argument and gaining a new discovery. End quote. Exactly. And I think we keep coming back to this point again and again of it's a it's about getting to truth and understanding versus uh, winning. Yeah, it's it's not a great thing to win if your your point of winning is actually the inferior option or more damaging for society. It's better to figure out what the truth is and then to pursue that as closely as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, for sure. Thank you for tuning in today. This is episode eight and uh, we are getting close. Our goal is to reach 14 episodes at minimum because that is the point, the median number of episodes that podcasts have. So 50% of podcasts fail before they reach episode 14 and we're we're starting to get close. So we're almost, we're almost ready to fail. <laughs> well, we, we'll be better than half the, the podcasters if we make it to, to 15. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in, Steve. Thanks again. Take care. McGill McGall Magoo. Ripple the rubble, the riggedy shuffle, McGill McGall Magoo. All right, want to do the mic tap? Huh? Oh, um, one sec.